Welcome to a new episode of En Yaakov Beyond the Story. As we are in the start of the three weeks, and the Rebbe had instructed to learn about the Besamikdash, whether it is in Hilches Besabchira in the Rambam, or Maseches Midas in the Mishnah, and thereby rebuilding the Besamikdash through learning about it, I found a little uh, part that somewhat belongs in Enyakov, in Maseches Midas. And at the beginning of the Maseches, the Mishnah tells us about the amount of Levim that were guarding the Besamikdash and where were they uh, placed, the Koyanim, the Levim, whose job was to watch over the Besamikdash at night. Uh, of course, the guarding the Besamikdash was not because we were afraid of any uh, invaders or attackers, but uh, it was a sign of COVID, a sign of, a sign of honor, just like a palace is being watched, so should the Besamikdash. Then there was a man in charge. It was like the manager of the guards. And his name, the Mishnah calls him Ish Har Habais, the man of Har Habais. Uh, he would go around, and the Mishnah begins by telling us that Ish Har Habais, called Mishmar or Mishmar, every watch post would be inspected by this Ish Habais through the night. Ravuka is Dolkin Lefanov, he would have torches lit ahead of him. Anytime there would be a guard who was not standing, will tell him, The reason why he would greet him is to ascertain that uh, he was sleeping or up uh, because maybe he was deep in thoughts or maybe he got tired and just sat down, even though he's awake. So then, if he's awake, he's fine. But we need to make sure he's awake. So the first thing would be by asking, by telling him, Shalom Aleichem. If he doesn't answer, then Nikrashu Yashen, it would be obvious that he's sleeping. What would happen then? Chavtoi Bemakloi. Isha would hit him with his staff, with his stick. Urishus Hayaloi Lisrofes he even had the right, the authority, to burn his garments. Mefajim is saying we're talking about outer garments, not, uh, you know, we don't want him to, to remain on clothes. So he had the torches with him, so he could use either his staff to uh, hit him, or his torch to burn his garment. And all the other people around the Azara would say, what is that noise in the Azara, in the courtyard? They would then answer, Koel ben Levi Loike, it is the voice, it is the sound of a Levi who's being hit, of God of Nisrafim, and his garments are being burned, because he fell asleep on his watch. Then comes a statement, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Oimer, Pa'amachas Matsu Esachi Imo, Yoshen Vesarfu Esk Susoi. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says this wasn't just 
a theoretical rite, but it was actually practiced because my uncle once fell asleep on his watch and his garments got burned. Now, this is very harsh and very extreme, and we need to understand. Firstly, why would he even hit him, let alone burn his clothing? Well, besides for it being like a harsh punishment, isn't it Baltashris? We're not allowed to waste any kind of belonging. So the Rosh explains this Mishnah by saying that in fact it wasn't um, it, it wasn't Baltashris, even though these these garments were useful property. Uh, they were valuable, but it wasn't considered wasting. Why? Because there is a rule that's called Hefker Beisdin Hefker. The Beisdin has the right to legislate in any kind of property um, issues, punitive damages. The Beisdin could declare someone's property to be hefker, to be forsaken. And here, Ishar Abais was appointed by the Sanhedrin, so therefore he had the authority of the Beisdin to be mafkir, to forsake, to render hefker by the power of the Beisdin, the garments of this Levi who was sleeping. Some of him say, well, that's not an answer. Because the Allah is that even something that is hefker, something that is abandoned, but is useful, cannot be destroyed or wasted. There will be a transgression of Baltashris. So one of the Mephashim of the Mishnah, Ezra Skayanim, says that being that the punishment was meant to deter the Levi from sleeping again, so then it is fine because it's teaching him a lesson. So teaching him a lesson, you will be allowed. Salt Baltashchis. Baltashchis is when there is no purpose. Here there is a purpose. Teach him a lesson. The Rebbe says that this answer is not fully satisfactory because the Alter Rebbe rules in that one is not allowed to break anything. You're not allowed to break dishes or tear garments ever. It is Baltashchis. Even if you are doing so in order to instill fear in your household, if you see somebody who misbehaving and you want to really scare him and you start acting as if you were very angry and start breaking dishes, the Alter Rebbe says you're not allowed to do that. Not only because of anger being about middle, because the Rambam says you could make believe that you are angry, but never get angry. But even when you're making belief that you're being angry, you can't break um, dishes, vessels, anything that is useful, garments. So therefore, based on this ruling of, of, of the Alter Rebbe, Baltashchis applies even if the purpose is in order to teach a lesson. So then how was this Isha Rabbi is allowed 
to burn other people's garments. Well, to understand this way of uh, acting and this procedure that was going on in Besamikdash, we have to start by explaining, really, let's get to the root of the laws of Baltashris. Where does it all begin from? And then let's talk also, or perhaps we'll start with talking about the rules of um, afflicting ourselves or other people. Niskaaguf. There is Baltashris, and there is Niskaaguf. The Altarebbe begins Hilches Niskaaguf with a, a Hakdame, the preamble. And his statement that opens up the Ilches Niskeaguf, he says, just as one is to be careful with uh, his body, preserving his body, in the same manner, he should be careful with preserving his property. Therefore, it seems from this statement, that when you are applying the rules of Niske Mamoin, of damaging property, Baltashris, um, you have to apply the same rules that you would apply to Niske Aguf, to hurting a person or hurting yourself. Now we know that there are certain cases in which, let's call it certain exceptions, derogations, in which one would be allowed to hurt himself or even others. So in that case, we would be able to apply the same rules in which one would be allowed to destroy property. So let's go. Let's start with the Ilches Niskeaguf. Valdrebi writes that it is forbidden to hit another person. It is forbidden to harm ourselves. And even to deprive yourself of food or, of, or drink is forbidden because you're making yourself suffer unless you're doing so in order to do tshuva. Because this suffering, this starvation is actually for your own benefit. It is to save your soul, to save your neshama. So therefore you would be allowed to afflict yourself if the intention is to do tshuva. So, yes, the benefit of tshuva came through a hardship. The suffering is allowed because the end result is your own benefit. Just to open a parenthesis, the Alter Rebbe writes that nowadays we don't have the koyach uh, to fast in order to do tshuva. And on the contrary, when one deprives himself of the necessary um, food, he actually becomes less um, effective. And sometimes it's a way for the Yetzirah to come and say, well, you're such a bad person, why don't you fast? Well, if we know what happens when you fast. When you fast, you're not very active, effective, and you don't serve Hashem very well either. So therefore, the better way to um, afflict ourselves, so to speak, in order to do tshuva, will be to give tzedakah. This is the way we practice this uh, right now. We're learning these ideas also in Tanya, 
uh, in the chitas of these last few days. Um, the idea of accomplishing the same with tzedakah than you would do with the fasts. But I digress. Let's go back to the letter of the law. The letter of the law is that you are not allowed to hit anyone. You're not allowed to hurt yourself. You're not even allowed to starve yourself unless it is for a good purpose. For example, tshuva. Because there is a benefit that comes out of the suffering, it would be allowed. Now, we have just said before that the Alter Rebbe makes the statement that in the same way, you have to be careful with preserving your body, you have to be careful with preserving your property. So therefore we must say that in the same way that there are certain situations in which you will be allowed to damage or hurt your body, um, because of the benefit comes out of it, you will be allowed to damage some property for that same benefit. And that's actually a very clear halacha. The halacha, the din of Baltashchis, originates from a pasuk in the Torah that tells us, when you are going to besiege a city, and you are trying to, of course, put pressure on the city, uh, you're not allowed to chop off any tree that bears fruits. Now, it says you would be allowed to chop trees that don't bear fruits. That's part of your strategy. Um, but you cannot chop trees that bear fruits. Now, of course, from this pasuk we learn in any situation, not only in time of war, one is not allowed to chop off a tree that bear fruits. That is baltashchis. That's the whole origin of, of the law. And from there, we learn also about not damaging anything that is useful and valuable. However, in this very halachas of Baltashchis, there is a din that says that if Baltashchis, Seif Tesvav, Altarebbe writes that if the value, if the value of the lumber from that fruit tree is greater than whatever value you will yield from harvesting the fruits of this tree, you would be allowed to chop it. Certain fruit trees, like olive trees, for example, are very, very strong. And uh, the value of it will be more as lumber than it is as a food resource. So then there is a benefit in chopping it. You will be allowed to chop it. So therefore we see, in short, that when the benefit of the damage outweighs the value of this object being damaged, the laws of Baltashchis don't apply. Now, let's uh, extrapolate. We established before that the restrictions of Baltashchis only apply in the same measure um, as those restrictions to bodily harm. Therefore, now we could understand why the Isha Rabais had the right to burn the garments of a guard who was sleeping. Because this wasn't just a, an affliction in vain. It was intended for the guard's benefit. Just like we mentioned before, the fact that it is going to help him prevent himself from falling asleep again on the watch 
So therefore, there is a benefit to it. And since there is a benefit to it, it's not considered Baltashkis because it is not in vain. Alternatively, we could also go and uh, refer to another halacha. There is an interesting halacha that says that if somebody is applying for a job, and then the, the boss tells him, look, I'll hire you, but I am telling you, if you slack off, I have the right to whip you. And if the employee agrees, the prospective employee agrees, then he would be then the, the his boss would be allowed allowed to do so. Why? How is that to his benefit? Well, the Allah says that being that without this condition he would not get the job. So this is the very condition that has given him parnasa. And therefore, there is a benefit in allowing his boss to whip him because that's how he's getting his parnasa. Of course, those are all theoretical um, situations. <laughs> don't, like they say, don't try this at home. This is uh, not necessarily an argument that, um, that, 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 that is applicable because Nobody really would accept to be whipped on the job. That's for sure not. But nonetheless, the reason for bringing this aloha is to show that let's apply this aloha to this situation. Isha Rabais is like the manager of all the guards. So therefore, all the guards know that all the guards know they took the job knowing that there is such a possibility so therefore, if the situation calls for it, Isha Rabais has all the right to do it. Alpidin is allowed to do it. Okay, so we are rationalizing um, this Mishnah. But at the end of the day, when, when we're talking about good midas, this doesn't seem to be, really doesn't seem to be uh, passing the mark. I mean, how do we, what message do we take from, from this kind of behavior, especially if it's justified? Are we going to justify any situation which says, well, it's for his own benefit. I, I, I took this away from him. I pushed him. Well, it's, well, I'm teaching him a lesson. It's for his really not. So then could we or could we not? So the Rebbe explains this very interesting way. You see, this manager, this chief of the guards, was given a name. Not just a function, but a title. And that title wasn't Memune ala Shoimrim, which is a lotion that we found in the whole Maseches Midas. That the man in charge of any protocol in the Avoid and Besamikdash was called the Memune, the appointed one. Over here, we don't call this chief guard the Memune on the guards. We call him the man of Harabais. Why? Well, the Gemara says in Psachim, 
that Avram Avinu, the word Har has been said in reference to Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is the epitome of Chesed. Now, Koyanim are also loving people. Because they have the special mitzvah to bless the Yidin, and as a condition, it says that they are supposed to bless the Yidin out of love. So, Koyanim in general are loving people. The Koyan in charge of the guard has been given the name of the mountain Har as a reference to Avram Avinu, the epitome of Chesed. Which Har? Harabais. Harabais in itself is also related with chesed. By the way, as a parenthesis, David doesn't mention this in this uh, context, uh, but it is brought uh, in others for him, the legend of what has happened on Arabais. Why did the Avish they pick Dafke that mountain? So there's a story about two brothers who have inherited a mountain that had you know, wheat and uh, all kinds of different things growing there. And it was split evenly, exactly in the middle of the mountain. Each one of the brothers were, was to have a, his half. But one brother was married and had a family, and the other brother was still single. So the married brother who had a family said to himself, my, my single brother, if he doesn't have a family, at least let him have more asset. And he would go at night and move the boundary the fence that was uh, separating both properties, he would move it towards his brother, towards his uh, property, giving his brother more space, more land. Now, the other brother was saying to himself, why do I need so much land? Why do, am I getting exactly the same part as my brother? He has a family, he has more people to feed, he needs more land. So he would go at night and push the fence um, towards uh, the other brother, towards he, himself, so giving land, more land to his, to his brother. And this kept on going on until one day they both met halfway. They both met in the middle and they realized what was going on. And when Evishta saw the display of love that was going on this mountain, he says, well, that's that's the right mountain. That's the place in which they should be a Besamikdash. Well, of course, the Rambam writes that there are many, many other reasons that uh, precede all of this. The fact that this is the place in which, from which Adam Arishan was created. This is the place where uh, Avram Avinu brought Yitzchak. This is the place where Noyach brought, uh, made a Mizbeach, etc., etc. So it was an auspicious place for Worship, for sure. But nonetheless, this uh, me- above-mentioned legend brings more of that spin about love that is on the mountain Harabais. So now, when the Mishnah picks a name for this man in charge and doesn't call him the Memune like he does in other parts of the Mishnah, but he calls him Ish Harabais, is to tell us that only a person who was completely imbued and absorbed by love, love for every Jew, 
would be getting such a job. Therefore, only someone who has such a love is trusted to say, well, I've tried everything else. And this is the very last resort. And believe me, when I'm doing this, it's really for your own good. He would be allowed to do that because he, he is the Isha Rabais. Which, by the way, the word Ish also has to do with Midas, as opposed to Adam, that has to do with Seichel. So only somebody with refined Midas, refined Midas that are completely geared towards love, such a person could be trusted to make such a statement and take such action. Whereas other people, as such as ourselves, we probably have other motives when we want to destroy somebody else's property or hurt him. Hard to believe that it is out of love. So therefore, unless you are a Ishara Bais, you really have only one option. And that one option that you have is to judge others favorably. And if you need to reprimand them, that should be done gently and in the most positive way to encourage him and guide him to improve. As a matter of fact, in the three weeks is definitely the time to increase in our unconditional avasis oil and when we do see something, we see another person sleeping on his watch. We see somebody is not doing what he was meant to, to do. Or if we see someone who's been entrust, uh, entrusted with a task and is just slacking off. We are not Isharabais. And we have to start Shalom Alecho. Like the first statement of the Isharabais. That's pretty much as far as we could go. Wish peace upon that person by being down the Kafschus and the Yimin Mekareves, bring him closer and influence him in a positive and gentle way. When we are going to increase in our Avasisrol, not just in words but in action, we will then be Zoyche to be Mevatel these whole three weeks which reason was the opposite of our Sisol. And these days will turn into days of joy, Sosan Simcha, Madim Toivim. May it be immediately.